The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of Football and Random Things. I'm Connor Ferguson uh, here with Jeff Woody and Colin Rule. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today coming out of the bye week, but first, I did want to tell you guys about Wiffles Hybrids. Sure, more co- corn growers are planting Wiffles today because uh, their hybrids just perform better than the competition, right? But a big reason those customers keep coming back is the way that they treat their business and customers like family. That is what we call the Wiffles way. That's Wiffles Hybrid. Greatest independent company on the face of the earth. Mm. Good preach. How about that? Powerful preach. Yeah. Mm. How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm probably doing better than Colin. That's right. I got I got some sleep. You yeah. were up in Minneapolis watching your buddy Brock, and uh, that that was Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. That's a that's a tight turnaround. Yeah, it is. We had to back up the show a little bit. I got back a little bit later than planned, so that's all right. <laughs> Minneapolis night too, on a Monday. Yep, yep, yep. It happened. So, um, but here we are, enjoying enjoying our day, and uh, it was great to go up there and, and see Minneapolis. Obviously, US Bank Stadium is a great place to go watch a football game. Um, I'm a diehard Vikings fan. It's cool to see Kane come back off of injury. Dude, how did you root? If you're a diehard Vikings fan, but you're like, I, I would you're say funny. diehard. I'm a Vikings. Yeah, fan. but like your buddies playing. Who did you root for last night? Forty Nine. I was going to Brock Purdy. Oh, okay, that's yeah. nice. That's I nice. like. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was the big thing about what I wanted to talk about the game because so like love cheering for Brock. Like the Vikings have been such a disaster this year that and they look unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, there's been Sundays where I turn it on and I'm just like I'm content with Brock Purdy is my team today. Yeah, and that's who I'm cheering for. And I was like worried like if it's a competitive game, he throws an inter- interception. Like how am I gonna feel? And he threw the first one, and I just went fuck yes. I was very happy. <laughs> I lost any any resemblance of cheering for Brock from then on. And it was pretty late in the game, but it was from then on. Yeah, the game and got the win. So Vikings are winning the Super Bowl. Uh, Iowa State's okay. going to the Big 12 title. Yeah. Yep. Second one's more. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, and, but you got to see Brock, right? Yeah. I mean, so, just for a little bit. Yeah. So, like, we we pulled up to our hotel, didn't know anything about where they were staying or anything. We pulled up to our hotel with, with some with some coworkers, get out, and, like, all of a sudden we see, like, a bunch of 49ers fans, like, literally right in the entrance of where we're pulling into. So I thought that's kind of weird. I wonder if they would, like, get together or whatever. Like, oh, there's a couple guys walking out. So my wife and I just kind of walked over there and we're like, going on here and then all of a sudden we see Brock come around the corner and I was like oh my gosh what the, What are the odds that literally like we parked and like 30 seconds later we see Brock walk around the corner so got to got to say hey to him and it was great to see him and uh, um, I mean all Iowa State fans were crazy throughout the stadium like even if people were wearing Vikings jerseys or shirts they were wearing Iowa State hats and um, tons of Purdy jerseys and then San Francisco tra- travel is unbelievable like from San Francisco, like the number of people that we met are like, oh, where are you from? Like, are you from Iowa? Like the rest of us, and they're like, no, we're from San Francisco. And it's like, dang, oh, damn, that's a hell of a travel. Guy. I feel like that game too. Like, if, I mean, the just the Iowa connection. Like, there's Kittle, so yeah, there's Iowa, Kittle, Kittle, Hawkinson, Kenay, yeah. Brock. Like, there's just so much Iowa juice in that game. Yeah, like that had to have been just fun to watch. Yeah, and, I mean, they, they, the NFL stadiums just put on such a great atmosphere. Like, Especially the Viking stadium. Like, that thing's clean. Like, I kept on talking to people, I'm like, when it's like a TV timeout, you don't even know it's a TV timeout because you're entertained with something else. 
where it's like when I'm at an Iowa State game, sometimes I'm like, oh, Pierre walks up the guy with <laughs> three, <laughs> three minutes and 55 seconds. God damn it. That's when my best friend's from college that does it now. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. You just post on the ground and you're like, just hoping that that number is small and you're like, three minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, it's all with the edge. Yeah, and it's like, but how they, how quickly they make everything like entertainment wise, it's like there was never a second when I was like, Wow, like we're on a TV timer right now. I didn't realize it. What were some of the promotions you'd want to see at Jack Trice? Um, you I'm not. 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 Make it, make it happen. But no, it was, it was a great time. Obviously, a uh, um, couple couple picks late in the game. But other than that, it was, it was awesome to see Brock play so well. A um, couple things, and and just to see you know those guys that you played with. Yeah. You you know what I'm talking about here. Uh-huh. To see Kane coming back and getting a couple opportunities, and I mean he's gonna break one. At That's something. Like, it, yeah. It's just a matter of time. And then to be able to see Brock and and all those guys. So it, yeah. was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, a sea of red in Minnesota for sure. Yeah, the, inter- the, the those interceptions that he threw, like the first one, that w- that feels like he was the one that that uh, who was the one to call it? Biden? Did Biden get both? Uh, so the first, he both? So. yeah. So the first interception, the one that was like over the middle, kind of in the middle of the second, middle third quarter, I think, whatever it was that yeah, first interception quarter is like there was a the the receiver Jennings got rerouted, and then if you get rerouted because of how everything works in the league, like. It's so everything's so tight. Like everything has to be so fast, and that's why like Brock and Tua have had such good years, is because they'll throw with so much anticipation. And like he was throwing it, waiting for, making sure that Jennings was going to get out of that break. But then Jennings tried to like run this crazy, like extra super slow big head move. Well, he ends up he was late, and then the other one he's just you know Brock trying to make a play. But yeah, late at the end of the game, no timeouts. Yeah, get the ball out on the field. There was a little uh, TCU PTSD on one play when I think he was trying to throw the ball away and it looked a lot like the TCU chucking it to nobody play. And I was like, well, still got it. Like that, that's the, the, the thing with Brock is he's always, I don't think you've ever seen him on any snap ever not trying to do everything he physically can to win a game. And sometimes that's misdirected, but the intent of it is always like, you can never say Brock Bird is not trying. Like that's that's the thing. Like the the biggest thing you can say when you watch it. Broke off a couple of runs that were pretty sweet to watch. Get you know he's he's all but sacked, and here he comes out, runs, picks up a huge first down, and and keeps the chains moving. So it was, it was, I mean he's just he's unbelievable. He's awesome to watch. Good dude, and um, and Iowa State fans they love him. He travels well up there. So so many pretty jerseys. You're driving into Minneapolis, and it's like two o'clock, and like. Hey, there's a pretty jersey. Hey, there's a pretty jersey. And then, like, you, like, get the next block in, and it's closer to the stadium. It's like, everyone's wearing a pretty jersey. And then oh. you get even closer, and it's like, there's a linebacker of people wearing pretty jerseys. So it's pretty cool to, That's see, gonna be cool to see that. And The crazier part was, like, today, and kind of last week a little bit, not because people were doing their I told you so dances, but the national analysts haven't spent a lot of time poking at Brock Purdy. Yeah, after his first multi-interception game which you would think would be the easy thing, but all those guys up there are trying to do, they're all covering the same eight games in a Sunday, and they're trying to be different. And it's so painfully obvious. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's, like, interesting, where where if Brock, I don't know what his stats are, but, like, his down games 
so far. Like last week, you're playing the best defense in the NFL. Greg mm-hmm. uh, Jennings is making you look like a bad quarterback by not uh, being able to run a route. It's not. It's not. It's not Greg Jennings. I had right. three three incompletions on Greg Jennings counted last week. Well, Greg Jennings one from last year's four. This is. I'm pretty sure this is Juwan Jennings. Did I think it was Greg Jennings the whole time? Yeah, Greg Jennings. Oh, I think Greg Jennings broke his leg. Yeah. He's broke. At least it's not a Parker Packer. All right. Well, I think Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings. So he's never going to be great. Juwan Jennings. Yeah. Yeah, just save his name. But, like, his Brock's bad games are that, you know, where he's still making plays. The offense still has a chance to win. Like, in the two games that he has laid, quote, laid an egg, they miss a last second field goal to win the game. And then they have a drive at the end of the game, and the defense doesn't do jack, gives up a thousand yards, and Brock still has them in a position to win. So his bad games, they lose by a last second field goal miss and eight on the road when your opposing offense plays an absolute A plus game and you still almost win. Like that to me is the biggest thing. It's like, his bad is still good. They rushed for not many yards. 50. 50, 50 yards, yards of, of not Brock Purdy. And Brock had, yeah, 20 yards rushing, so. And I'm, I didn't see the first half, but the 49ers kicker missed another field goal. Yep. yep. That was 41 yards. It wasn't even yeah. like a, a, he nailed a 54 yard later, but he missed a 41 yeah. yarder. Yep. Yep. And then if you had, he made that, they're only down two yep. going into that final drive. You, you take three less points. chances. Yeah. At some point, you're just going to get close enough, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. that, that cost him the win for sure. Yeah. The Vikings were not winning that game in overtime. I think everybody knew that if that was what had transpired. Kirko Chains, man. Kirko Chains. Dude, he sure. played unbelievable. It was honestly like, as a Vikings fan, I'm like following them this year and stuff, and you like watch your offense, you're like, yeah, they're close. And then like you lose Justin Jefferson, you're like, oh man. Here it goes. Here it goes. Like, here, I guess we're going to kill Williams at least. But I guess Jordan Addison is the best receiver in the league. Well, he took a took an interception yeah, and made a touchdown at the end of the first half, so that's crazy. Well, they also, uh, Traverius Ward took a reception and turned it into an interception earlier in the half. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Traverius Ward, he's a, you're, you are not going to be, uh, you're not going to be a lack of entertainment if you watch Traverius Ward. Because he's going to be a pick, a big hit, or give up a touchdown. There's <laughs> no middle ground. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so someone did tweet me and wanted us to talk about the Cooper DeGene play, oh, but you did that. You did that on kicking. Just you wait. So we always record kicking it before we record this, uh, but then it just goes out on Wednesdays. We spend like a solid twenty minutes going into it, and like here's the long and the short of it. If you if if an Iowa fan wants that penalty, wants that play not called, then you want to give up protection for Cooper DeGene, and so that any coverage guy can just lay Cooper DeGene out at full speed. Or you keep that ruling and then allow Cooper DeGene to be protected, but you lose the ability to return that. Because like, just go back and watch the whole thing again. And don't watch DeGene, just watch the Minnesota, Minnesota guys covering. All of them throttle down halfway through that return, not because they don't want to hit a guy, it's just because they don't want to incur a penalty and move that trash offense further. So we spend a good amount of time. Like, I'm, going that. I'm sure you're going to swing my damn opinion on it, like it, everything else. It was crazy. So, like, watching that football game, I was like, what the heck's going on? Like, this is the most, like, I was literally driving to dinner, and my wife's like, tell me what's going on. Like, you are kidding me. This is the most Iowa way to win a football game. <laughs> I'm like, how did they The second half was Michigan State. They would have done that again. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, how the heck does this happen? And then it, like, didn't happen, and I was... Kind of happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's space. I'm like, okay, their offense actually has to drive the ball. We're good. They, and not even drive the ball. They had to get 18 yards. Yes. 18 yards. That's, That's, a drive that's that all That is 16 where they had in the second half. 
That is, it's such an embarrassing, crazy number. So Minnesota had a couple players bring out the the trophy too at the game last yeah. night. And <laughs> killed on the sideline, two thumbs down. It was hilarious. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's great. But yeah, we spent a lot of time. So kicking is gonna come out tomorrow. And if you want to have, hopefully, have enough information, like trying, that was going through it like a, a, an analyst, not like a cyclone fan trying to shit on it, but like literally, what do you look? What does this rule exist for? Well, you're really fair when it comes to those conversations. I try to be. I mean, the whole thing is like you try and when you use the term analyst, which is like doing color, which that's one other thing we'll talk about for again, Iowa State. But doing color for a game, being an analyst for a game, you have to be impartial because like everyone knows when it's really obvious when a team is an announcer is rooting for or against you something. Think those Cincy, uh, the announcers for the Sensi game were. Uh, no, Cincinnati. I don't think so. Okay, yeah, so I couldn't tell with that one, but like, yeah, like old West Virginia games. But like you can tell, you can tell when that's happening, yeah. and, and also like if you are an analyst and you even have like some hint of a bias, then you start looking at things sort of through the rooting lens, which is like why Iowa fans are so anti that Cooper Jean calls because they're Iowa fans. It benefits them to be against that call. Therefore, you ignore everything that is to the contrary, and you focus on everything that is to your benefit on this one, and then. Uh, at that point, the objective truth is what your subjective truth is. But if you lo- if you watch it like a referee, which is like, I don't really have a dog in this fight. Like, I just want to explain what's happening. Then it's easier. You don't color your own thoughts. So, like, I try and watch most things not Iowa State through that lens. And even Iowa State games, I try and dial it back a little bit. Because then I get myself way less frustrated being like, why is that a holding? I'm like, oh, it's probably because it was a holding. And why is that a pass interference? Like that, just that's the way to at least I don't know. So yeah, call them out. Whatever. Other thing, color commentary. Drake first place Drake Bulldogs. I have to. There's one other person in this room that gives a shit about Drake Bulldogs, and that's Connor. Uh, right now, first place Drake Bulldogs. They legitimately have an inside shot at making the playoffs in the FCS. Yeah. Last year, they won three. The last three games to end PFL play. And this year they won the first four games. They won seven consecutive league games, and they're playing Stetson at home on Saturday. And they should beat Stetson as long as they get as long as Drake gets out of their own way. They don't turn it over a zillion times. They should win that, which would mean they are five and zero going into their big games against uh, Davidson and Butler, which are the two kind of top teams uh, in the conference as far as the other top teams. So like Drake Bulldogs, man. Undefeated in conference. So Drake can go to like the postseason. Yes. If they win, it's an automatic berth from the champion of the PF, the Pioneer Football League, gets a spot in the playoffs. Now, usually that team gets obliterated by whoever is actually in the playoff. Because this the PFL is a non-scholarship league, so you yeah. can't like you can I think you can you can still do NIL stuff, but like it doesn't the budgets aren't that big. So yeah. you're usually going to go, going up against like a North Dakota state or something like that who can offer players. So when given like the, the talent pool is better at the other FCS schools, but there are a few leagues across the country that are, are FCS non-scholarship like the PFL. So they get one playoff bid. And I don't think that they've been to the playoffs since 2017, 18. Drake, Drake, Drake. Drake's never been. Never been? No. Because it, they didn't have this automatic bid until the year after they won back to back. Yeah, because it was 17, 18 when they won. And then it was 12, 13. 12, 13. Yeah. And then 17, 18 is when they had a good offense, but it still got out. Yeah, they got they lost it really late in the yeah. standings. But, but it, they anyway. don't play Davidson. Is the so they don't play Davidson. Davidson's okay. also 4 now. They okay. both have somewhat easy-looking schedules. I think this week will tell us a lot. Okay. So, really good. is yeah. there like a conference championship then, or is it all record? I don't know what they're saying. They don't have a conference championship. Yeah, because the tiebreaker right now, I think, is strength of record. So, if you 
think about how much I care about during football. I just look at the conference tiebreakers. I think it's going to come down to some sort of strength of schedule. Dude, you're a diehard. I, I've tweeted the PFL two weeks in a row now that I will chain myself to their headquarter doors if they pick Davidson over Drake. Can you, uh, like, have you been to a game? A Drake game. So, yeah, actually, I get this all the time. People accuse me of caring about Iowa State uh, less than Drake or caring about Drake too much and that it's annoying or I look like a loser <laughs> and it's like, I don't care. But I grew, up, I grew up going to Drake football games with my grandfather because he had uh, this thing in his leg, osteoporosis. So yeah. he had to keep one of his legs straight at all times. Uh-huh. No seat at Jack Trice or Kinnick could really fit him. So uh-huh. I got him season tickets and we went to every Drake game for three years. Uh, he passed away like a year or two after that. Mm. So I have overly cared about Drake sporting events just because of him yeah uh, since he passed and it's fun i mean it's so, so just the drake game is just generally so like iowa state plays at 2 30 drake kicks off at 12 i don't know how the weather's going to be you can get a parking spot that's like three blocks from the stadium i mean it's going to be a little bit more but like come out it's a fun vibe like drake being good is a fun vibe for the city and and they actually have an offense like last against san diego when they're playing in san diego and we'll end this move on next day because we're losing listeners in five minutes well they won on a hail mary to a guy named trey radica whose nickname is big play trey and so they they won hail literally last second hail mary at san diego a team they, they literally haven't beaten in a decade and the week before that they beat the st thomas tommies which is a it's a university in minneapolis minnesota who ran rush shot through Division Two, and they got called up, won the conference last year undefeated, um, and then beat Iowa or beat Drake last year. This year they beat St. Thomas. It was a tight game in the first half, and Drake unloaded. And they they beat them by thirty or they beat them by thirty two, and the quarterback had four hundred eleven yards and five touchdowns in the game, and like great. The, the quarterback has. Fun. It is a fun team to watch. The quarterback throwing his little sidearm pass, Luke Bailey. Yeah. Luke Bailey is his name. It kind of looks a little like Brock Purdy or Denard Robbins. It's a it's, a, it's a little hybrid of both both of them. Not quite a witness <laughs> hybrid, but it is it is right. <laughs> so moral of the story: Drake Stadium at noon. Come out, or you can tune in the ESPN Plus stream, and I'll be on cover for it. So anyway, I'll be at the game too. No no pictures, please. I'll do autographs. But so Iowa State's playing at Baylor. We'll move on. Yeah. I'll have to get home to watch this. I always just I always just DVR it and then I'll pick it up and I can fast forward to the first half. Yeah, but I gotta write about it. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, so I will we'll let's, talk, let's talk Iowa State. <laughs> Thirty minutes into this episode, gotta love bye weeks. So there's no. If game anyone, if anyone compliments the last ten minutes of the show, you will have my forever gratefulness to you. And mine. Thank you, Carl. Call <laughs> so Iowa State uh, travels to Baylor. Bears are uh, two and two in the conference, coming off a win against Cincinnati. Obviously, Iowa State three and one, coming off of uh, an, I wouldn't say a much needed bye week, but it sounds like they got everyone that was dinged up got a week off. So they, Matt Campbell said they're basically close to one hundred percent healthy. He could just be lying. They could be ninety percent healthy. I don't know, but yeah. it sounds like the guys that needed some rest, got a little bit of rest, and really integral stretch coming up in the next five games where each game, if you win, elevates your expectations and your current season that much more. Yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity that Iowa State has in front of them. I mean, going uh, going to Baylor and then going to BYU, those are two games that um, I don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves, obviously, there, but Baylor, I mean, Baylor's team is kind of all over the place right now. Mm-hmm. Like, their, their culture... I would say probably is being tested pretty hard right now. 
Um, and a huge opportunity for Iowa State to go in there, whose culture, I would say, is on the rise right now between you can just see how hard they're playing and how well they're playing together. And um, Coach Campbell just has a way to bring people together as the season goes on, and it's just awesome to see his, his teams kind of be gritty, be fighting, and, and come together as when you need it the most. So I think it's a great opportunity Iowa State has to go. I mean, I think I saw Baylor giving up like 200 yards rushing a game or something mm-hmm. like that. So Iowa State can go down there, set the tone, have a little bit of ball control, as we've talked about on this podcast here a little bit. It's like if you can hold the ball on this side of this, this, these new rules, I mean, you can really control a game. Um, and I would say that's the, the, line, the playing with the lead stuff with the yeah. substitution rule and everything that people have been talking yeah. about. And just the offensive line, I mean, it, it's just been awesome to see their growth. And I, I have to imagine that they gelled even more with this bye week. That's a great opportunity. I always remember to spend a little bit of time. Saw Rocco took the guys out to dinner one night. That's always a good thing to do. And then just kind of bringing all these guys together and saying, hey, we do get some of our playmakers healthy. People do get a week off, so they got a little bit of a twisted ankle. They're going to be a little bit faster. Um, obviously, that defense got some guys banged up, but I think it's a great opportunity for Iowa State to go into a Baylor, which is a hard place to play. Go in there, get a big win, and, and uh, kind of like you said, really springboard yourself and kind of continue to allow yourself to be in control of your own destiny. Yeah, I like the way you kind of describe that as where every win, or every win, and presumably every game, if you win, elevates the importance and the effect of the next one because it's at Baylor, home against Kansas, at BYU. That's your next three before obviously you get into the really big ones at the end of the year if you've taken care of business up to that point. So you should be expected to win, I think. Baylor is actually a favorite in this game just because analytically, I think a lot of the, the gambling odds still take into effect Iowa State's first three games mm-hmm. because you have to. You can't like throw them out. But if you've been following the team, as everyone listening to Cyclone Fanatic is probably <laughs> following the team, you can know the difference between the first half of this season and the next second half of this season so far. So it feels like Iowa State should be favored to win, even if the mathematics don't necessarily say so. Because, you know, take the last three games. But if you're able to do that, and you play, you get uh, Kansas in a November game with a maybe, maybe healthy Jalen Daniels and a defense that is basically similar to what you're going to play against Baylor, then you're going to go to Provo uh, uh, potentially with, you know, the Texas game looming and knowing what that could mean. So, like, yeah, every week gets more and more important, even including that Texas game. Like, if you're somehow able to beat Texas, which I don't think, after, especially after watching Houston and with, Yours uh, being out, I don't think Texas is untouchable, and they're they're a good team. But I don't think if you get to, if you get in Texas's head, they will let you stay there. Yeah. Like that's a thing that Texas is known for. And so I don't think it's that you know. Let's let's say you get to Texas. If you beat Texas, the next game is against Kansas State, which is probably also going to be a team which has won maybe two losses in the conference. Like that is another big game and it's a rivalry game to essentially get yourself to the conference championship. So like every game becomes more important if you win the previous game. So I don't know, this is a huge opportunity. I'm, I'm pumped to see it just because I want to see now on the road against, was, is it a quality opponent? I mean, it's about as quality opponent as Cincinnati. They have a way better offense than Cincinnati does. Yeah. But against a quality opponent on the road, like this is a proven game, you know, like playing pig or horse or whatever. And someone, Calls off the roof, off the house, bank shot in, and you're like, they make it, and I gotta do it again. You know, can you do it again? Like, okay, you win. Like, that's, this sort of feels like a prove it game for yeah. Iowa State. Yeah, I completely agree. And especially with just, I, so my good shout out to uh, my buddy Joe Goodman. Um, he's a big Baylor fan, and a lot of his followers follow me now on Twitter. So 
I've been seeing the kind of fan base reaction to this Baylor team, and it was pretty down in the dumps. It might have been worse than Iowa State's after the Ohio game, at least three weeks ago. Um, now, they are kind of coming into them uh, themselves. Blake Shapen is back and healthy now. He, and by the way, he has not thrown an interception yet. I saw that. I was looking on ESPN, and I'm, I'm like looking like next to like the stats, and I'm like, did they mess up, or has he truly not thrown an interception? They've also only kicked 11 extra points this year. Seriously. So, yes, there hasn't been a lot of interceptions, but they also haven't scored a lot of touchdowns. So that, they, I mean, it kind of, it, it's impressive, though. I mean, you got to say it is impressive that he hasn't thrown interceptions, uh, despite the fact of how much they throw, because they cannot run the ball. Like, I have never, cannot seems like it's an impossibility. They have not shown their capacity to run the ball, and so they threw, they're going to throw it 40 times a game, pretty much every game, and if he hasn't thrown an interception, that's impressive. Also haven't played Oklahoma, Iowa State, or he wasn't in against Texas. So, like, there is a little bit of a difference there. You haven't seen the three best defenses in the conference, or I would be Kansas State maybe, but yeah. they, they haven't played the, the highest level defenses, but still, no interceptions on a zillion pass attempts is pretty impressive. And good luck uh, having no interceptions against this Iowa State defense this year. Turnover central. Yeah, and, and especially with uh, Cincinnati, I was talking to Joey Peterson. He was talking about the similarities between Baylor's offense and Cincinnati's, and you can probably expand on this a little more than I can, but um, just the way, the style that they play um, and what the quarterback is and what they deliver there. Now, Blake Shaven is going to run better than Emory Jones. Yes, he's far better, and he's going to try and run the ball a lot less. I think, at least, he's been sacked a lot this year. Um, hasn't had a big rushing game or anything like that. So we'll see what they come out with. But it sounds like, at least scheme-wise, um, against the Baylor offense, they're really confident that'll be similar to what they saw against Cincinnati and to have the extra week to prepare for it. I think like the all the cards are on your side. Yeah, it feels like this is also going to be a similar offense to, like, Oklahoma, where, except Oklahoma runs their quarterback more, but it's not going to have the same tempo. So you have, like, Oklahoma, they had difficulty running the ball, like, true running style, so they try and rely upon spacing and good quarterback decision-making in the offense. Cincinnati had the same thing. They just didn't, they don't have the quarterback like Oklahoma does to make that system work, and then Shapen is kind of like that. Now, they don't have the type of... Because Shaping can't run as well as Dylan Gabriel can, they're not going to have that portion of the arsenal. And I don't think that Iowa State is going to play in the same way that they did against Oklahoma. But they've already seen this kind of style of offense against OU and against Cincinnati in just varying degrees of success. So it's gonna, they're going to be somewhere between OU and Cincinnati, but like in the same family. Yeah, I, I think you pretty much hit it spot on there. I, I think Iowa State's defense, too, is going to grow. Let's run the ball. Have ball control and, and you kind of eliminate a lot of that. You stop the run and hey, our our DBs have shown that they can throw the pick off the ball. So um, uh, I'm excited for it. I, I think, think that uh, if a person wants to bet, they'd be pretty smart to bet on uh, Iowa State. Yeah, and I think the other side of it is when you look at this three game stretch, people are probably, especially people on the program, that might catch this clip because Aiden tweeted it right to one of the coaches or something. They think like, well, why are we looking at? Iowa State in its last 24 Big 12 games at Jack Trice Stadium was 19-5. That's with 1-4 last year. So Kansas at Jack Trice is a game you're expected to win. Mm -hmm. This road game against this type of Baylor team that's been close to imploding in the middle of the season, you're expected to win. 
BYU is kind of a toss-up still. Because they, yeah, they've been good and they've been bad. Yes. At various times throughout the season. So I I think if you are able to get this win and stay in that spot, and that's why I was so excited last week talking about being on bye week and being in the spot you're in, you're just going to have mounting momentum with every win you get as the expectations go up and everything else we've talked about. So massive, massive uh, opportunity on Saturday. Yeah, and the see, I don't I mean the season's not lost. Like if the outcome doesn't go the way you want it to, you're no. still you're you're right now sitting at what four and two, and overall over four and three, four and three overall. Yeah. So at four and three overall, which is, uh, you know, you want to win this one, but you need to get two more to get to a bowl. Which at the start of the season, if you were to ask anybody after the Ohio game and say, hey, mm-hmm. you get a chance to go to a bowl game. People will be like, next year, Bullshit. Yeah, next yeah, year. what are you talking about? <laughs> and so now it already feels like, and the growth and development of the team. So like, you know, we, we mentioned it last week, like the only upperclassman to get a carry so far this season is Chase Contreras on fake field. Yeah. Everybody else is an underclassman. And pretty much your entire offensive line is eligible to come back. So, except Hufford. I think he's the only guy that isn't because Miller's a technically a redshirt junior. Uh, Black is a freshman. Boniface is a sophomore. This is Remsburg's last year, though, too, right? True, but we haven't seen him yeah, so okay. far this year. And then Neil you is... Got, you got a little bit of time in Yeah, so nine snaps. Again, so like the the core of your offensive line yeah. so far this yeah. season is going to be able to come back. Your quarterback coming back. All 17 of your running backs are coming back. All of your wide receivers are coming back, or theoretically are able to come back. And Easton Dean is the only senior that you're going to have in the tight end room that you potentially could lose. So this whole roster has the capacity to come back. How much they've developed so far... That already feels like a win on the season. Like you can be, if if the season ended today, you could be happy with the season. Now looking forward, the opportunities you have to make this season go from a good season to a great season, they're still there. But uh, I mean, I think at this point you can sort of say like, all right, the, the pieces are in place. The whole gambling thing, you're we're, you're through the the woods on that. The whole you know implosion last year, going one and eight in the conference, that, that's all past. Yep. So now it feels like. It's a win already, but now so you're playing with house money. Now go out and make the season some a hell of a season to remember. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think. Oh, go ahead. I think one thing to add on to that too is like Campbell has been through a couple of these young teams before now. Like his experience with that is going to be huge. Like he's going to be able to know how to how to handle this situation with these young guys and be able to just make sure that you put yourself in a situation that these young guys are going to go out there and be successful. And I think that just takes time, obviously, just like everyone, to have to go through the experiences, they have to be in those situations. And the fact that Coach Campbell has done that is going to be huge value for Iowa State and this younger roster. And there's things you have to figure out through a year, and that's why they say, like, the most improvement you make is from game one to game two. And for this Iowa State team, it probably doesn't look like that, especially on the outside. I would assume there's still remnants of how much better they got in two games, um, but really in by the fourth game and that turnaround there and, and how much better they've even gotten since then, um, since that Oklahoma loss too, uh, has just been remarkable. They look like a different team. I think you're extremely content with how the season has gone so far and anything, any form of a winning record in these last five games will be thoroughly enjoyed. I think six and six would still be really like viewed as a positive season. But it would be better? Nine and Big three. Bowl championship. Big Bowl championship. <laughs> that, would <be> <laughs> that would be better. That would be better. But still, yeah, I think that's you're playing with house money at this point. Go down to Waco, survive that shithole of the town, and get yourself back out of it. I mean, I, 
That is a personal thing. That is not that is not from Cyclone Fanatic. That is not from Iowa State University. I personally have never had a good experience in Waco. What about Goldfinch? Like, it's not from Goldfinch Athletics. <laughs> it's from me, Jeff Woody. I think Waco is an unenjoyable town. I don't think there's much redeeming quality about it. And Magnolia, I guess, is fine. But that's pretty much where it stops. That's oh. fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right. One other thing uh, that I'm looking for this weekend is Jaden Higgins. Six receptions, 172 yards uh, in the Cincinnati game. He looked almost like a different receiver, almost like he was in a different league than everyone else. I told Rob he was the uh, first name first name, name given to Kirby four weeks ago, but Higgins was the yards after catch merchant against uh, Sensei. Just yeah. 70, yeah. So I think it was 72 yards after the catch. Cyclones.com doesn't have it. He's either 75 or 70. Is either 75 or 72. Anyway, I mean, still a tremendous amount. And that's still the. It might have been 100. It might. I think it was more than that because he had a 75 yard reception where he only caught the ball 15 yards downfield. Then it might have been 100. You could Uh, be correct. But then there's still Jalen Knoll, and you still have Daniel Jackson, and you still have Ben Titan Group. Yeah. So, like, it, it opens things up a lot more when he is good. What happens to a receiver's mind when he has zero exceptions and zero yards? And I mean, team win? Yeah, it, yeah, that's fair. I'm good with it. All right. Yeah. I feel like it's depend on the guy. I feel like Coach Campbell typically gets guys that are, are headlines on football games, not have my own staff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't, ta- I wasn't trying uh, to make yeah, any you know, that seem like that. But yeah, I, there's people asking, like, where's he been? Where did he go? And I'm like, he won 30 to 10. Are you really, like, how yeah. concerned are you with Daniel Jackson? Well, and I think, so the thing with Daniel, so let's say this with Daniel Jackson specifically, like, he's not getting zero snaps. Like, he's still playing a good amount of time. When the dude that plays the same position as you is that hot, I mean, sometimes you just, like, a shooter's going to shoot. If you have a shooting guard, and the guy that's, and you're the sixth man, and the guy in front of you is, like, six for seven on three-pointers, you're like, you're going to leave that guy in the game because he's hot. Back yeah. So, like, there's some part of it. But the other part is that Daniel Jackson has shown that as far as getting off of man coverage, he's probably the best receiver in the group of getting off of press man coverage. So, him on the field changes defense's ability because you're not going to play press man on some guy and play off man another one it just doesn't that defense doesn't line up in the back end so like you have to then if daniel jackson's in the field he kind of eliminates your ability to play press man to anybody because he's going to beat it right out of the gate so if daniel jackson's in the field Jalen Nolden has a free release and he's able to get more open or bramer has a free release because you're not going to jam him as much because you've got to play off of 16 so like his he didn't have any catches and yeah i'm sure if you like I, if I was a running back and I got in a bunch of snaps and even even on zone replays and if, if every single one of them was a pull I'm like come on man like I would get a little bit like whatever but ultimately if the game ends and your team wins by twenty you're like all right scheme made sense and so like Daniel Jackson brings stuff to the table even if he's not getting receptions he changes the way defenses have to play him because he is so good against press man yeah it's good to have fire it's good to have dudes that want the ball in their hand. Absolutely. And this is football and random things. And I apologize to you. My TikTok algorithm is all screwed up. It's been weeks in a row now. Yeah, I know. I can't get it back. I literally, I scrolled past, didn't like a single one of them, just six, six or seven straight, just police pulling someone over incidents. And then a big debate in the comments about the cops and the wrong or if the person's in the wrong. It's the most annoying <laughs> thing ever. I don't like any of them and they keep popping up. So uh, I did want to ask you guys, though, about. Um, Iowa State in the post-game locker room celebration, if you like this, uh, Cyclones got their minds right thing. I haven't seen it. All right, I don't Rob, do... I'm doing the podcast. I can't answer right now. I'll call you back later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do... I guess I haven't really seen it. I don't yeah, know. I haven't you haven't seen it? 
No, I don't really get yeah, on. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, you, I, yeah I, I guess you aren't on Twitter about. as much as you used to. No, I don't really get on or use social media. Okay, well, I'll show, to, I'll show it to these guys before next week. And yeah. comment. I'm sure we'll see enough. I've seen it. Baylor, if they want. I've seen it. It's cool. If it, if yeah. it rallies dudes together, and if it's, I mean, clearly it's going to have some sort of meaning to them, maybe that we won't know about, but if, it, if it's something that can bring those dudes together, and clearly they all get behind it, and it means something deep to a lot of them, or all of them, um, then I, I, th- I love it. Yeah, it, uh, it's cool to see. I mean, it's... It's a weird chant. It doesn't have a, like, a normal uh, chant cadence, but it's... Yeah, it's, it's and everyone and gets into it. Coach part. Campbell started it yeah. or led it or something with it a little bit, too. So uh, it's definitely something that the dudes like definitely like are buying into. It means something to a lot of them. And, and if it means something to you, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, absolutely. It doesn't. It kind of reminds me, like, every day, like, my dad and I, before I would wrestle when I was really little, before I'd get on the mat to kind of, like, help me focus, he would have me, like, punch his hand. When I was, like, a, a little kid, like, he'd have me like, punch his hand. He has a farmer in it construction work so these big you know sledging mitts and I would punch his hand like you know like you're giving knuckles but I'd do it harder uh to kind of get me like ready to wrestle mm-hmm. and then as I got older it didn't become as aggressive but every time I would go compete I would do that to my dad anywhere so he would come meet me in the spirit line or whatever but if he for whatever reason missed that because travel or whatever like I would make eye contact with him in the stands and I'd just like air fist bump him because it's something that we've done for 25 years to or 20 years to that point yeah and like it looks crazy. It looks dumb because I'm just like going like this. Yeah. Like it sort of looks like the no team, no team. <laughs> but like to me, that matters. So that sort of yeah. what it feels like. So if it matters to you, yeah, then it doesn't really matter to anybody else. But it matters to you. And it's like what they're celebrating after when. So clearly, it means something. I do have a trivia question for you guys. Who is the only Iowa State quarterback to win a game in Waco in the past decade? Where is that? No one's that known. You already. Oh, you played this. I'm sorry. Zebnall, 2017. Yeah, I dropped the ball. Yeah, because uh, Jacob Park started that season, and Jacob Park got fired, and they put in Zeb, and then Zeb won. Mm-hmm. There you go. Spun it. When did Was that after Kemp? That was before. before. That was before. Yep. So it was Akron, Baylor. Okay. Yep. I got it. Yep. That makes sense. Um, did you want to go through the Big 12 game Saturday and figure out who we're cheering for? Yeah, I think that was a fun. It's it fun, was fun. I like it. Then we'll, and we'll I, wrap, I'm, wrap her up and get people out because they already wasted their time on listening to us talk about I think Drake, I'm back. Football. Drake football and Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I think I'm back on your train of, of my Oklahoma to undefeated. You want them. You want, yeah. you want Oklahoma to be undefeated all the way through because then you don't get in a tiebreaker with a team you lost to. Because even if there's going to be one or two teams there, then the tiebreaker is head-to-head matchups. Head-to-head matchups then would be, well, if let's say it's Iowa State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma, all 8-1. and one. Well, if Iowa State, and let's say Kansas State was the one that beat Oklahoma. Well, if Iowa State beat Kansas State, and Kansas State beat... That'd be a three-way I, I reckon. But then, like, you, you have this argument versus if it's Iowa State and then, let's say, Texas and Kansas State, where there's one. I mean, granted, Kansas State would have two losses, but right. it's beside the point. But, like, if I you're, if you're, you're saying, in a three-way yeah. tie, you've beaten both other teams you automatically rise to the top. It doesn't matter. So, like, it doesn't get to the next tiebreaker. So, if Oklahoma's clear the field, you then don't worry about who, who the tire, so the tiebreaker. So, you want Oklahoma to just win out, stay out of the fray of that, but, I don't know, they might trip up. Yes, that is a good test uh, for Oklahoma. To, they're going at Kansas at 11 a.m. on the I wonder, It only is a good test if Jalen Daniels plays. That is true. Which I don't know if he's going to be in or not, because Jason Bean's going to throw three interceptions against that defense if he plays. But if Jalen Daniels plays... That is a true legitimate test because that'll be, especially if he's playing, like that Kansas Stadium will be, it's weird, but it'll be a hopped up environment 
if he plays. If he doesn't, yeah. you know wins about replacement in baseball, right? Yeah. What would you grade Jalen Daniels drop off to be? Oh, it would be a lot. I don't know. I, I don't remember the exact statistics. If it's on like a, is it a zero to one scale or is it like? A, I was just saying. Well, or it's, no, it's wins like about a, replacement is like how many wins are you yeah. worth to your team? Right. So maybe like two to three. I, I would more. say it's at least three or four for oh, uh, Jalen Daniels. That's yeah. big. That's twenty five percent. Actually, yeah, I mean, pretty think, much. If you think about it, though, what games have they won with Jason Bean in there that they shouldn't have? Like they lost basically every game. Like, okay, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So it, right, I think he's already lost two games that they otherwise could have won, and they're only. Two games in him not playing. So yeah, like it's at least three or four. Yeah. for Jalen Daniels. All right. Uh, Houston travels uh, to Kansas State. Um, Houston is one and three this year. K State is one of the uh, teams tied with Iowa State at three and one. So obviously there. You uh, rooting for Houston? Houston yeah, upset of some sort. Is it gonna happen? Well, look at them last week. I think they're just gonna run out of emotional juice though, because yeah. like you have like you, you put everything in. Be, be ready for the duck here, Aiden, because like the the fuck Texas energy, like. That's a strong energy, especially if you're in Houston. Yeah. And when you, that you almost got it, and now you have to somehow manage to recreate some type of juice to now go play at Kansas State, which is one of the hardest places to play in the conference. After having just done that against a team that is hot right now, so I, I don't they they could maybe, but I don't think they got enough juice in the tank to come off of that Texas loss. I think this game is not competitive. Yeah, for sure. Um, another 11 a.m. game with Fox Sports 1, West Virginia at UCF. Um, I think UCF, doesn't matter. Go UCF. Take West Virginia even further out. Yeah, West Virginia is 2-2, two two, UCF 7-4. UCF better than their record in that quarterback, uh, John Reese Plumley is yeah. back. Uh, that's big for them. That could be... He was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. He can run. Yeah. yeah. I think Oklahoma is also sleepwalking through that game. Yeah, I would agree. It was fun. Um, BYU at Texas, 2-30 on ABC. Go Cougs. Because the more losses, I mean, people have said it. We're like, you want the game. I think Brent said it in Williams and Bloom. Like, you want that game in Ames to be like for all the marbles. None at all. Yeah, but I want Texas. Well, hold on. Okay. Because then he said, then they said, well, game day, and Brent said no. So I'm fully on your. So side. here's the thing, I don't want Texas at their full competitive best. Yeah. I want Texas at their cattiest, bitchiest, throw in the towelliest mood. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that. And then you can punch them square in the mouth. Then you get another game where you can win by 40 because Texas quit like they did last time. Yep. If that happens, that's so much fun to watch. Oh, because it's like, so fun. Especially when them send them out, send them packing with oh, punch in the face. Just beautiful. So, yes, I want anyone to beat Texas and get them on this I don't care train as fast as we can and get the I don't care train running at 700 miles an hour and just to see how many people they can throw under the bus. Like, yep. That's what I want to see. I want Texas to lose as much Bad. as they can. Bad, badly, embarrassingly. That's go Cougs. And regardless of how these last five games go, if you get out to a big lead in one of them, it's a very obvious thing to say. It's a lot better to get these young guys more experienced that haven't played yet and get these other guys that are on the field that happen to also be young yeah. a little bit more rest even. Yes, yeah. um, absolutely. Probably less important this week than it is the next four, but you get it. Correct. Especially with the, I mean, these guys are going to play a longer football season for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, final game, uh, Iowa State Baylor is 230, obviously. Uh, it was like, well, I don't know. for there. Uh, Cincinnati at Oklahoma State is the nightcap. Um, crazy thing, Oklahoma State 3 and 1, only lost to Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, they they figured out pretty much the same time Iowa State did. They had the same kind of come to Jesus meeting, it looks like, that got everything right. You want 
now you want Cincinnati to be able to, Cincinnati and uh, Houston are sort of in the same boat, where I, I don't think Oklahoma State's as untouchable as, uh, as Kansas State is at home, but like, you same situation, where if you can get a team to break the tie with you, like the, the transitive property, what's good for Iowa State is if those, if Oklahoma State loses and Kansas State loses, that buys Iowa State a lot of leeway for the back half of the year. Yep. Absolutely. And then the other thing with those two, um, like how good are those coaches with molding relationships with their players? Like Houston's three and four. Are you still fighting for a bowl game? Do you, care, do you care that Dana might get fired uh, if you play for Houston? Yeah, probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. I mean, maybe he I mean, you do. I, yeah, if you're in that locker room, you're going for sure. But, like, are you going to. I don't know. Coach Campbell. And I wonder what his practice environment's like. You know, like maybe his practice environment, his persona there is different than what he portrays on the sideline in the media because he seems like a sourpuss that's not really relatable. Yes. Where that doesn't feel like it's true for, you know, like Satterfield doesn't seem like he's the, the world's nicest guy, but he seems like he's a guy who sort of respects the players. So you can kind of, it's a little different there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if David really is. Like, Wait, jump just one for the Yeah. Yeah. He already found his way out of the Big 12 once. Oh, yeah. The only only fighting chance they've got is he knows what playing that happens like. Yeah. Tom Burton to Houston. Call it right now. Houston loses out for the rest of the year. I have no insider information. This is pure, pure speculation. But Houston loses out or loses enough. They get rid of Holgerson. They contact Herman. They upped his contract from what he had played last year. They're back in the Big 12. Tom Herman back at Houston. That's my... Calling a tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat, calling for We'll see what happens. That's college football, so everyone be prepared for a weird weekend again. Because the slate is, last week I had 20 games that I wrote down that I was like, I want to pay attention to that. This week it's probably closer to six. I think uh, I'm excited for all these big cold games, really. I think there'll be some good matchups if we can, I mean, just watching Texas and Oklahoma play close games last week is kind of one of those things where it's like, Mid-season form, or is it that they're a little bit tired, a little bit sloppy, a little bit this, that, the other? Or is it uh, a bit, there's one, you know, in, in the Avengers, and when uh, someone, I think Tony Stark says it, where it's like, uh, you know, you, you just make, if you make a, it was actually Iron Man 2, it was, uh, they said it to Tony, the guy said it to Tony Stark, which is, if you make a god bleed, you make the people believe that it's possible. And so, like, Texas and Oklahoma playing close games, it removes the logo fear, you know, like on the side of the helmet. Yep. Iowa State has gotten rid of that. I don't, Iowa State doesn't carry the logo fear anymore. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like they do. Yeah, yeah rid of that in Austin in 2010, right? Or, well, just with Texas or with Oklahoma, or just like they, they don't look at anybody and they're like nervous right. about who they're playing. But like there are teams like uh, Houston or like a Kansas or a, right. oh, that do still have some logo fear. But if you see Houston take Texas to the wire and then you see UCF in Norman take push Oklahoma to the brink. If you're Kansas now, you've seen a god bleed. You know, like you've seen them go. All right, they are people. They are people. They do make some dumb mistakes. It makes it a little bit less uh, unapproachable. Yep. And Kansas are five and two, especially the way last season went with all the early season hype. Despite whatever you want to say about that schedule and what they actually got done in the front portion of the year. They dropped off in the back half of the season, and I know that's going to be a motivating factor for this game to not have that happen again. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Might be the game I'm most excited to see. The game I'm most excited to see? Drake Stetson. Drake Stetson. Damn straight. That's a great one. I will not be tuning into that one. Well, come out to the game with us. I'll tailgate. Let's do it. We'll tailgate together. We can take Chris's truck. I haven't asked. This is 
Ask him for forgiveness. <laughs> you let me know, Colin, all right? Yep, we'll see you, you there. got my number. Yep, yep. Colin's definitely going to be there. 100%. Right. I'll see you there. Appreciate y'all for uh, <laughs> tuning in this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. This has been uh, Football and Random Things.